I'd like to begin this second Sunday of Advent with an illustration or a test of sorts. Okay, that was 30 seconds. I was going to do it for 45 seconds, but um, I just want to emphasize that this is not Christmas season. This is Advent season, which means we are in a season of waiting, of anticipating. And I know that that was very confusing to some of you and startling. And some of you were praying for me very hard at that moment, um, which I appreciate. But... There's something to be said about expecting and anticipating, because we are a people and a culture who are used to instant gratification, but anyone who's ever walked with God before knows that God does not do things in our timing. Oftentimes, He is teaching and refining us during these seasons of waiting, and we don't want to miss that. And after all, the Jews endured 400 years of silence between the last prophet and the coming of Jesus. And I would argue that all of humankind has been waiting for a Savior since Genesis 3. With that being said, I will admit that I personally do not wait well. I was the kid who went to sleep at around 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve and then woke up at 5 a.m. Christmas morning. And you would have thought I learned my lesson because my dad was so diligent and steadfast in this. He would make me sit at the top of the stairs until about 8 a.m., until he and my mom were good and ready, which meant Christmas carols going, fire roaring, wheeling out the big ticket items that you can't wrap, those types of things. But every year, I'd wake up and I'd sit at the top of the stairs, which didn't bode well for me or my anxiety levels. Um, so this is how it works for me, basically. Maybe this, maybe this is the way it works for you, too. Anticipation quickly becomes frustration. And then frustration leads to anger. And then anger transitions into anxiety. And I believe anxiety is the enemy of peace. This morning we will be exploring the second candle of Advent, the candle of peace. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because I live with generalized anxiety disorder and constant threat of panic attacks. And I know that being at peace is easier said than done especially in a high-performance area like the peninsula. Now, peace can be thought about in a variety of different ways. Personal peace. Are you struggling with restlessness, anxiety, weariness, busyness, or worrying? Then this morning is for you. Relational peace. Is there discord in your family or marriage? Do you have strained friendships? Is there a teacher you cannot stand or one that probably can't stand you, then this morning is for you. National and world peace. Are you concerned about our safety and security from domestic and foreign threats? Does the sharp division within our own country and world make you feel hopeless? And are you at a loss when you consider all of the raging wars going on at any given moment? Then this morning is for you. Environmental peace. 
Do you worry about what will be left for future generations? Does thinking about the way that humanity treats the earth make you feel angry? And this morning is for you. And if that list just made you feel anxious like it did to me, then it's for you, and it's for me, too. Our Advent series begs the question, why do we need Christmas? This morning, we will turn to Scripture and not only discover how the coming of Christ satisfies our need for peace, but that we also need to be peace bringers. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you come in this place? Would you bring your peace like only you can? Would you be the teacher? Would you illuminate your words? You plant a seed that grows and is fruitful. Discipleship in each one of us. We thank you for this time. In your name. Amen. The Bible has one word that encompasses all of these different types of peace that I just mentioned, and probably encompasses a whole lot more than that. And that word is shalom. My students know this word. It means universal flourishing, completeness, wholeness, safety, security, and contentment. Without even looking at the news this morning, we all know that there is not universal flourishing. I can tell you that this week alone, I've discovered that a teenager has cancer and that she and her family are beside themselves. This is not the way it's supposed to be. The Bible tells us why and how shalom has been broken. But it also tells us God's plan for restoring it. And that plan has been put into place even before the existence of time. John begins his gospel with a familiar phrase, in the beginning. This is him intentionally bringing our minds back to Genesis. So would you please turn with me in the Pew Bibles or your personal Bible or your phone to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. Now, will you flip ahead to John 1, which we just heard read by Pastor Rick. This is good practice. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning of time, Jesus was with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the triune God created the universe. God admired his work and called it good. 
Then he created humankind. He called it very good. The Garden of Eden was set up as a place where Shalom reigned supreme. Humans lived in perfect harmony with one another and also with all of nature. Then Adam and Eve sinned, and Shalom became tainted because humanity and God could no longer trust one another. This sin has been a genetic disease that has affected every person ever since. And the deterioration of Shalom began to spiral out of control as murder, war, and death entered the fold. But fear not, people. God has a plan, and it has been in motion even before the fall of humankind. We know this to be true because Jesus is God in the flesh. That is what John is proclaiming. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always known that he would need to be our Messiah and Savior. Christmas marks a new and vitally important phase of God's plan to restore Shalom. Christmas commemorates the moment in time when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is called the Incarnation, or as one of my professors likes to call it, the Enfleshment, which is a made-up word. So if you put it on you know, Microsoft Word, it's going to have a red line on it. Just deal with it. Enfleshment. It helps us remember what the Incarnation is all about, God becoming in flesh. But why did God have to come himself? Couldn't he have sent what the Jews were expecting, an earthly king or a military hero? I think there are two reasons. Probably a lot more, but here are the two that I came up with. Humans always fall short, and our God is always pursuing his creation. The Incarnation is God actively working on behalf of His people in order to establish His kingdom on earth. Normally, we think about peace as a negative or passive concept. Peace is the absence of something. So, the absence of war or the absence of stress. That would be wonderful. The absence of discord. Yet, Christmas proves that shalom is a positive and active concept. That means shalom breaks in and breaks out. We see that with the incarnation as the prophesied Prince of Peace comes to us in order to be the true light, which gives light to everyone. On Christmas morning, dawn breaks over all of creation. And increasingly since that day, darkness has ran out of places to hide. That is why we keep coming back for Advent. Each year, we want to experience hope joy, peace, and love. We want a foretaste of God's promises. Sometimes you get a small taste, like that moment when you feel like your life is chaotic and barely manageable. You might be there right now. But all of a sudden, that peace that makes no sense washes over you because you're reminded that the God who created you is still in control. And then other times, He just breaks in we experience a supernatural helping of Shalom. This video is an example of one such moment of divine peace and intervention.
Mein Name ist Otto. Ich bin Otto. Freut mich. In 1914, World War I was being fought as Christmas Eve settled upon the battlefield. <clears throat> the, divide, the divide between the opposing forces was known as no man's land, the sliver of space between opposing trenches. In no man's land, no one would want to venture. Enemy and fi fire would ensue, and life would be at a grim risk. Yet this is where the Christmas truce took place. From a short distance, candlelight twinkled in the night, and voices could be heard singing Silent Night and the First Noel, interrupting the darkness of war. As soldiers peered over the pile of dirt, they saw tiny Christmas trees lining the tops of the trenches. Peace broke out. Hands were stretched out and shook readily as a gesture of peace. Gifts were exchanged. Haircuts were given. Laughter burst out. Conversations in broken languages began. A soccer game was even played. All this unfolded in a barren place known as no man's land. All was done in a moment of peace and the spirit of it. German, British, French, and Belgian all joined together, putting their gun battles aside to capture a few moments of peace. Through frontline letters and a few articles, word of the Christmas truce spread sporadically and skeptically to others. Some thought it was a myth. Some worried if battle plans would be upset. The war continued for many years afterwards, and although attempted, a Christmas truce was never realized in the same way as on those days and nights in 1914. As one German soldier said, it was a day of peace in war. It is only a pity that it was not decisive. Literally, in the middle of one of humanity's darkest times, the true light of Christmas peace broke out. Light crept in during that Christmas time and brought a battle for life and death to a standstill. Likewise, there is an ongoing battle between light and darkness. The Gospel of John is especially concerned with this ongoing spiritual war. 
That is because the darkness, that darkness is the realm of terror, gloom, and death. But hear this, church. It is also the lack of knowledge of God and the way to Him. Darkness is lostness. Darkness is blindness. But God wants shalom. God wants what that German soldier wanted. Decisive peace once and for all. Later on in John's Gospel, Jesus proclaims, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A bold claim and one that we have to either believe or dismiss as the ravings of a lunatic. There is no in-between on that one. By phrasing it this way, Jesus is calling himself both God and the only way through whom humanity has access to God. In preparing for this sermon, this one bumper sticker kept popping into my mind. Um, I remember seeing it when I was about 17 and first got my license. Anyone used to have this bumper sticker? No? Still? Oh, y'all aren't those type of... Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, this, is, this has quickly become my, my new favorite one, basically because it sums up my entire sermon. So there you go. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. We need Christmas because we need peace. And peace is a person named Jesus Christ who willingly and actively broke into our human story in order to bring himself. In order for us to know Jesus and how and know true biblical shalom, then we need Christmas. We need the moment he became in flesh because it kicked off his perfect life, which led to his sacrificial death, triumphant victory over the grave, and eternal placement on the heavenly throne. Our belief at CPC is that if you do not believe these things to be true, then heart, heartbreakingly you will never know the peace that you desire. But hear this. We want more than anything else for you to know that. We want more than anything else for you to know and have abundant life. For those of us who have experienced the unmistakable peace of Christ entering our lives through the Holy Spirit, I have an Advent and a Christmas challenge for you. Now remember, I am preaching January 1st and 8th, so I can check up on you. I want you to first listen to this excerpt from a letter written by one of our elders. This lay leader was writing to the people who signed up to serve at Christmas on the Corner. Um, this past Friday, and for those of you who don't know, Christmas on the Corner is a very big deal for our church family because it's where we literally fling open all of our doors and we welcome in the community so that they might experience the love of Christ in a very tangible and real way. So this letter was sent out on Thursday, and it was a rallying cry of sorts. This is what he writes. What an exciting time Christmas is. We celebrate his birth and have the amazing opportunity as a church to share the miracle with others. As we prepare the tables, cookies, wreaths, songs, nativity, how can we best touch the lives of our congregation and the visitors God brings to our church? What can we each do to reflect his love and make this an even higher impact event for him? First, your mind and heart must be quiet. Before the event, take a moment to pray alone. Ask God to use you, to strengthen you, and guide you to make a connection. God takes each 
person's spiritual journey seriously. And he won't leave any seeking heart unsatisfied. At the same time, we have a responsibility to invest in the lives of spiritual brothers and sisters by sharing our understanding and experience. And he quotes from 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Then he finishes, We will all be ambassadors on Friday. We are here to serve, here to make ourselves available, to shine his light, to make connections so that others will be drawn to him. The letter goes on to give some practical tips, how to initiate conversations, make people feel welcome. Yet this line is the one that stuck with me. We are here to make ourselves available, to shine his light, to make connections so others will be drawn to him. Our sovereign God has invited us to join him in the renewal of all things. Bringing peace to a world as broken as ours would be a daunting task except for one thing. Peace is a person named Jesus Christ. Those who have submitted themselves to him as Lord now have the Holy Spirit living within him. And we are literally walking temples and tabernacles with the living God living inside of us. As such, we should not only be peacemakers, but we also need to be peace bringers. We already have the peace that only comes from knowing God. Therefore, wherever we go, peace also goes. We are an integral part of God's restorative plan now. We are to be peace bringers. Not only to this place, not only on Friday, not only during this season, we are to be peace bringers to our homes, to our workplaces, to our schools, and to everywhere in between. I think I have time to share this story. Last three months of seminary or so, I started um, getting some really bad panic attacks. Um, they started building intensity. And I remember one morning I was getting ready for uh, class, and I had one just hit me, triple me, on the floor. 28-year-old man sobbing for no reason feeling like I'm being attacked for no reason, just completely paralyzed. What I could do is pick up my phone and make incoherent noises into it to my friend Matt, and Matt dutifully showed up at my door. He didn't know what to do, (laughs) but he did what was right. He came there, sat beside me. He didn't say anything. He just sat with me. Pray a simple prayer. Nothing fancy. And he was a manifestation, a literal representation of being a peacemaker to me that day. He sat with me until it passed. And I don't know if this is a coincidence or God's sovereignty, but I haven't had a panic attack since that day. Praise be to God. Um, and also, as a side note, which I didn't tell the 930 service, Matt also introduced me to my wife, Lalia. So therefore, he also introduced me to a peace bringer in my household every day of my life. So, amen to that. That's advice to y'all. When you, when you settle down, settle down with a peacemaker and a peace bringer. So this is what I'm asking you to do. Because this is what I think he is asking all of us to do. Shine the light of Christ 
on the darkest areas you come in contact with. Bring peace. Join him as he reestablishes shalom. Now, if there's anyone here who is struggling with the absence of peace in their life, I want to encourage you. The darkness is still very real in this world. And the plan for peace has not come to its completion. But later, we will receive the sacrament of communion, and it assures us of at least two things. One, Christmas really happened, and Easter for that matter. And two, Christ poured himself out for you so that you might know him and thus know peace. It is a profound foretaste of shalom that we get to share together this morning. There is safety, contentment, wholeness, and flourishing at the table. you pray for us today? Thank you.